Welcome to the Shit Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Broder. Are you ready to shoot the shit? Welcome back for some shit talk. It's Liz Broder. I hope everyone's had a spectacular first week of summer. We made it to Memorial Day. We're past Memorial Day. We're thriving. The bike shorts are out. And not that you need me to tell you that, but they're out. They're on. Ah, This is my time. I hope everyone's enjoying it as much as I am. But anyway, I hope you've listened to my last few episodes. I talked a lot about traveling, how to stay regular and maintain routines while you're traveling and not totally fall off course. And I also talked about how to maintain routines in summer. We're going out more, socializing more, drinking more, traveling more. There's a lot that comes with that. So on that note, I was out of town and took a small little getaway over Memorial Day. And so I've been reflecting on what I loved about being away and what I missed about my day to day. That was not meant to rhyme, but here we are. So of course, my dog is the first thing that comes to mind. Sadie Sue, my 12 pound toy Aussie. Um, If I could bring her with me everywhere, I would. I don't know if everyone around me would appreciate that. She's a little sassy, but I would say that's probably the most obvious thing I missed from my day to day. I also miss my 50 ounce water bottle. Obviously I drink a shit ton in my day to day. The 50 ouncer, it's too big to travel with. I should have brought my 32 ouncer. And for some reason this trip, I just didn't want to deal with it. And that's fine. So, But I ended up buying like the one liter smart waters in the airport. It's fine. It's just, you know, the whole plastic thing. But I should have brought it with me. I missed it. Um, and that's fine. But moving on. It's interesting for me as the dietitian because people always come to me. Oh, my God, I'm going away. I, I can't, you know, I don't want to go off track. I don't want to gain weight. There's going to be all this food, yada, yada. And what I find is clients actually lose weight often while they're traveling or when they're on vacation, even if there's more elaborate meals and there's dessert every night and they're drinking alcohol more often, et cetera, they oftentimes end up losing weight. So for me, I was away with a friend. She's married with an almost one-year-old. Shout out to little Oliver. I can't wait to meet him. He's so cute. Um, And she has a really impressive career. She works constantly. She's on all the Forbes lists. Like, I don't need to say anymore. The bitch is busy. And a a wife and kid. She is a wife and she's got a kid. Like, needless to say, she's got a high-stress life. So we talked a lot about her day-to-day and her stress. And it was definitely a shift for her to relax and unplug and unwind and adjust to vacation mode. But she did. And I was so proud of her because I know it can be really hard to turn off, especially when you have all those responsibilities and she has her own business. So a lot on her mind. It can be challenging though to shift your focus like that when you have a demanding job and a demanding home life. And when you really care and when you're really invested about whatever it is you're vacationing from. But it is so important for your mental health to be able to slow down the brain, at least for a few days. She and I decided we're going to do this little reset trip annually, probably around this time, just to reset as we proceed with the remainder of the year. Q1 flew. We're almost done with Q2. My head is fucking spinning. That's okay. Sometimes you need planned time just to have, obviously, anticipation is exciting, something to look forward to, but also 
what I was saying to her is like, maybe you need to plan out, okay, I will not be stressed from this date to this date. And what I talked about a lot with her too was her cortisol levels, our stress hormone. And if you're in a constant state of stress, you're constantly working, you're worried about the baby, your husband, whatever it is you're doing, your body's always on high alert and it's in fight or flight mode. This is not ideal. We cannot sustain this mode for too long. And if we try, the body will rebel. So high levels of cortisol, again, this is the stress hormone, high levels of cortisol have been linked to higher levels of anxiety, higher fatigue and lethargy, constantly feeling like you're trying to catch up or aka being on a hamster wheel, increased blood pressure, GI issues. Like for example, people with IBS, stress has been said to be a trigger for flare-ups. Same with Crohn's disease, which is a form of IBD. Um, If you have a weak or sensitive stomach like me, I'm someone who stress can trigger loosey-gooseys or (laughs) stomach upset. But also high cortisol makes it harder to lose weight because we store more fat. And again, that's due to being in fight or flight mode. The body's in a state of stress. You know, it's not necessarily taking into account what you're eating or not eating. It just knows the body's in stress. We don't know when we're getting our next meal. It stores fat. So if you are trying to lose weight, high cortisol levels do not help. And in particular, it stores fat in the midsection. So there's many more ways that cortisol impacts us I'm not getting into, but that's just a brief little overview. I try to break it down to people like this and said differently. If your body is a machine, say you're the, I love my Vitamix. Oh my God. Obsessed. They're a fortune, but I can tell you worth it. The only thing on my wedding registry I wanted and I got it and I've, it definitely worth the money. You will see your, see your investment. Not that I bought it, but my point is worth the money if you're mulling it over. So if your body's a machine and you're, you're the Vitamix, you have it on speed 10, the highest mine goes is 10. If all you are is just running it on speed 10, it's just set on 10 all day long. It's eventually going to burn out or it's going to die. It's not going to be able to work as well. It's not going to work for as long as if you ran it on like five, then maybe do seven, then you're on two, then maybe do 10 here or there. The extremes are not good for our mental, physical, and emotional states. And this is where that overused, but very relevant term burnout comes from. So that said, let's break down travel life versus regular life and see what we can make stick. Because what I like to do on any trip when I get to slow down is I evaluate my life at home and my routine and where I feel I can improve. And then when I get back from trips, what I really like to do is evaluate what did I like about that trip? What worked for me? What was easier? What did I miss from my home life? But so my point in today's episode on Shit Talk is I really want to break down what works on vacation life that's so much more pleasant or so much more enjoyable that you can actually apply and bring into your regular day-to-day life. Let's break that down. So a few things. We're usually less stressed on vacation, obviously, unless you're the mom with the passports and the folders and the laminated documents that I mentioned a few weeks ago. God bless her and my condolences. But anyway, I can tell you from personal experience, from watching people and from my friend in this case, that's why I talked about her in the beginning and stress levels and she has a busy life. Stress goes way down oftentimes when you take a load off and you're on vacation. It's it's up to us to decide what we can actually pull back from. Is it aspects of work, of home, of friends? It's important to evaluate which parts of your day-to-day life cause stress 
and pull back where you can. Obviously on vacation, but also for your usual routine. So what I like to encourage people is ask yourself, what needs my stress and attention right now? And what doesn't? And for example, this is this is not like a vacation example, but this is just an example of me setting some boundaries or reevaluating in a high stress time, you know, I need to lessen my plate or lighten my load. So where can I pull back? So for example, I was finishing my master's degree and working full time. I was so fucking busy. I had so many high stake balls in the air. I had to cut back on certain things so that I could actually achieve the master's degree and maintain high quality of work at my job. At that time, I was on the dating apps and, well, I'm still on them. So I don't know why I phrased it like that. I'm still on the apps, but at that time I was on the apps as well. And I decided I don't have the mental capacity to do this and be in a good mind state and have positive outcomes. So it was one thing off my plate. I stopped the apps for about six months while I was in that semester. Once I finished the master's, I obviously still had my full-time job. I got back on the apps. I had more attention and more time that I can give to them. Another example I've had times where like, and this will come in waves, but I'll, I've had times with friends, and this I will say in, in advance, this is more about setting boundaries, but again, it's really like weighing out what deserves your attention and what doesn't, what's causing you stress and what isn't, and where you can pull back or what you need to do to support yourself and feeling your best. So I've had times where like, I'm really busy with work or I'm busy with living. I'm busy, honestly, putting kibble on the table for Sadie at the end of the day. That's, that's like my, that's my end goal every day. But so I, I've had times in life, like I'm busy, busier than usual doing this, that, whatever. And I've had maybe like one too many friends, like either cancel last minute or like shift the schedule in a way that I found kind of annoying. Let's, let's also, you know, I I can own up to the fact, like I was probably a little bit more irritable than usual because I had higher work stress, just higher stress for whatever. But like, I remember one specific time and it was like a a friend canceled something last minute. Then the other friend chimed in. They were trying. It was like, it was just so annoying. It was like, I have more going on than both of you. Why are you guys the ones being annoying about the fucking schedule? Like, and again, it's not fair to say that because you never really know what other people have going on, but it was, it was annoying and I was done. I was tapped out and I did not want to deal with it. So I specifically remember then silencing all my notifications. I have to say now they're probably silenced 50% of the time. I don't have the little banner that says Liz has her notification silence. No one needs to know. I do it for myself. I'm not trying to act like I'm busy and feel special. I don't give a shit if anyone knows they're silenced. I think it's dumb when that notification thing is up. Obviously it's a personal decision, but the point is I was like, these people can't plan. They're selfish with their selfish with their scheduling. I'm on the ball with my replies and being accommodating. They're switching shit around. They're taking 24 hours to reply. How about no? How about I'm going to stop replying to you? You can double text or you can leave the plans as they are. That was my conclusion. So my point here is when we eliminate stresses that really don't need to be there or we set a boundary in a way that needs to be set, we allow ourselves to excel in other ways because we just freed up all that energy and time for something else. So figure out what stresses you are able to eliminate on vacation. How did you feel? And now what I say is evaluate your day-to-day. See where you can make tweaks. What stresses are in your day-to-day life that you are able to eliminate on vacation that you don't have to maintain once you get back to everyday life? 
Another point I want to make is we're more active on vacation and oftentimes in a non-intense fashion, like we're not going to Peloton and SoulCycle and Berries, we're not taking hit classes, but we're moving around more in our day-to-day a lot of times, whether it be due to touring a city or you're taking relaxed walks, walk, walks, taking relaxed walks on the beach, you're hiking because it's, you know, you're at an outdoor, maybe you're visiting an UNESCO World Heritage Site or something. The point is you're moving in ways that are not necessarily going to a fitness class, Um, and just getting more movement in, in general, we tend to be less intimidated to move on vacation because it's not necessarily like, okay, I need to run 10 miles on the treadmill or, oh, I'm taking this, taking this one hour, really intense class. It's usually easier, lower stress movement, and it has some sort of enjoyment factor to it, whether you're doing it for the scenery or exploring a new city, whatever it is on vacation, a lot of times it's more enjoyable and it's, it's seen as less daunting. So like my friend and I, The second part of my trip, we were just in Mexico on the beach. So we were certainly not touring. Um, And there really, we looked for walking trails or walking paths where we were, and there really weren't any. But what we did is we walked on the treadmill for 30 minutes every morning. I walked between a four and 4.5. So I was power walking, but it was very relaxed. It was more of a like, let's get our bodies moving. Let's poop. Let's feel good endeavor. It it wasn't like a, oh my God, I need to burn calories from yesterday. We ate so much. We need to move. I haven't worked out in five days. What do we do? No, it was just, let's maintain the routine. Let's move. Let's get the body moving. Let's, let's stimulate that gastric motility. Let's feel good before we go lay on the beach. So in my opinion, when you frame movement like that, or when it's just better incorporated into your actual daily activity, like the hiking or your touring or your walking on the beach, it's seen less of less as a chore and less as quote exercise and more like enjoyment or it just kind of like seamlessly fits into the schedule. Like personally, as we know, I look forward to my daily walks, my all business walks. They are my Zen time. It's my outdoor time. It's my favorite time. <laughs> um, but I just want to give some background on how I got to them because it's, it's, you know, I hate when people like either fitness gurus or dietitians or wellness people are like, oh my God, I love broccoli. All I eat is broccoli. Everything's better with broccoli. My life is perfect with broccoli. And like it fixed all my problems. Like, and then you hear them and you're like, well, I hate broccoli. How will I get there? Or I like broccoli, but I'm not obsessed with it. Like I, I carry on about walks, but I want to give you some background because I did not always love walks and I definitely did not always prioritize movement the way I do now. So my walks started in COVID. I was married. Um, We were quarantining in a house in a suburb outside of Manhattan. And I was looking for any excuse to get out of the house for a variety of reasons. I will not get into, um, but I'm sure you can fill in the blanks. But, and I just started walking and it just stuck. I was like, you know, stuck in a house. Obviously everyone went through the quarantine. I loved being outside. I loved being alone. I loved being with my thoughts. And the outdoors became my sanctuary and I got really into step counting in a fun and like self-competitive way. I I bought a Fitbit. So as you can tell, that was 2020. I was late to the Fitbit party. I was always kind of anti-step counting. thought it was really annoying. This was just my way of like, oh, what'd you do today? Okay, let's try to beat it tomorrow. Like a fun thing to focus on. It felt good. I loved it. And I can tell you now, I literally crave walks because of how good they make me feel. So I just wanted to give that little sidebar story. You know, we are more active a lot of times in a less intense fashion on vacation, which is a positive and it's less daunting. 
I just wanted everyone to have background on why I love walks so much and the importance and meaning they have for me. And that's where they started. And this wasn't my entire life. So don't be discouraged when you follow like random influencers or people on Instagram posting whatever god awful nonsense they're posting and acting like they've just naturally loved, you know, whatever. It's like a lot of these things, you don't just love them. You're not going to, like I said, broccoli. It's like, I personally love broccoli, but you're not just going to like wake up and love broccoli. You're not just going to wake up and be like, I'm dying to go to Soul Cycle at 6 a.m. You get there. It, it's a journey. Like, like I said, for me now, walking is like, I look forward to it every day. I take more than one walk if I can like big walk. I definitely take a lot of little walks, but I take one major longer walk per day. And if I can get another one in great, but it's something, like I said, I literally crave because it makes me feel so good. And it has such an importance for me. So you'll get there. Don't be discouraged and just keep at it. Keep doing things you enjoy. Okay. Anyway, my next point about vacation life that I noticed people are oftentimes snacking less. They don't have access to their kitchen or like the office kitchen if you're back in the office, the way we usually do in normal day-to-day life. So it's of course easy to snack less when you're not steps from your kitchen working from home or like the office with the fully stocked pantry. We're also not tempted to go take a break and grab a coffee or a snack to get out of the office or due to like stress or boredom, AKA emotional eating. So from now on, definitely get out of the office, take a break. But what I'm going to say is take a walk. Find a destination you like in the area, walk there and walk back. I live in New York City, so I get that walking is different. It's easier said than done for some. Like in New York, it's an easy feat. Um, Some places don't have the same walkable lifestyle, but figure it out. Think it through. If you can walk during the day, do it. It's a perfect break, a nice mental reset, getting some movement, blood flow. Ideally, you're in nature, getting some sunshine, fresh air, clear the head, lower your stress, lower that cortisol. And it keeps you away from the snacks or the kitchen or buying snacks you don't need. I remember back in the day, I was an executive assistant and, you know, you kind of see everyone's whereabouts. You know the habits. You know who comes in and spends 45 minutes in the kitchen every morning prepping their breakfast. You know the people that are constantly going to Starbucks that are just like never at their desk. And you're like, what the fuck are they doing? How are you still being paid? But the point is you get a sense of everyone's habits and tons and tons of people are constantly taking breaks. And breaks are important, but a lot of people, when they when they take a break, they go buy something. They're buying coffee. They're buying a snack. They're buying, you know, obviously lunch is lunch, but it's a lot of snacking is my point. Even if they're not buying it, even if they're going to the office pantry, they're grabbing a snack because they want a break from their work or their desk. And I'm saying take the break, but try to be more productive with it. Go for a walk if you can. Perfect time to hydrate. Don't make me, don't make me bring water into it. I'll bring water into anything. I will insert water into any conversation I possibly can go hydrate if you're not hungry. But the point is keep away from the snacks, find something more positive to do with your time when you're at home and you need a break. Another point I love, and I always use, um, as a nice marker on trips is that the portions are usually so much smaller when you're outside of the United States. So Europe, especially, and it helps me. The reason I said I use it as a marker is it helps me reset what I serve myself and you tend to eat less because you're being served less. So Of course, this is not true for everywhere. I mean, I'm sure there's some hotels that serve outrageous portions and there's definitely some parts of our country that give outrageous portions. But the point is, that's something to pay attention to when you are on vacation. What are the portion sizes? How do you feel? Are you still hungry after? I would guess probably not. It may look small and you're like, oh my God, this is no food. But how do you actually feel after? That's another reason why people a lot of times lose weight on vacation. 
a huge point about vacation routines too, I have to mention is about sleep. We oftentimes get better sleep, more sleep. We're not having the rushed mornings. There's no alarms. We fall asleep more easily because we're more relaxed. And sleep is another thing impacted by stress and both sleep and stress impact weight and how our body processes food and even appetite regulation. So it's so important to sleep well. And we usually do while we're on vacation. I mean, you know, of course there's the one-offs like, oh, this mattress, I'm not sleeping great in it or I'm uncomfortable. It's a new environment, whatever. But a lot of times people can catch up on sleep. They get a little bit more and don't for one second disregard this. This absolutely impacts your wellness, how you're feeling and stress levels. So my big question, as you know, is how can we incorporate our vacation lifestyle into our day-to-day regular lifestyle? So first, I welcome you. I invite you. I hate when people say that. I'm going to invite you to turn to page six in the memo. Like no one's turned to page six. I burnt that thing the second you emailed it. Okay. Back to business. First, reflect on what you enjoyed about the trip. And of course, this is going to look different for everyone, but what felt nicer on vacation than in your day-to-day? What did you miss from your day-to-day? What's feasible to add from your trip into your regular routine? Like, yes, we know you can't just not work for the rest of your life. I'm sure it was really nice not to work. And most of us can't afford to have a private chef preparing all of our meals. My point is like, be realistic, but also break down exactly what you liked because then we can try to incorporate it and make it work in your actual day to day, even if it's just one thing. Cause to me, that's worth it. That is one thing that is going to make your life better or happier or less stressful or easier or something that's going to bring you joy. One thing I've taken from all my trips abroad is the amount of daily movement, walking, like I said earlier, that other cultures indulge in. Um, and I have to just keep driving this point home. It doesn't need to be heart rate spiking, but the point is they're not sedentary the way Americans are. So as I already mentioned for me, this is a huge part of my life now. Love walking. Mine, you know, I that's something I notice ab- abroad in other cultures. But for me, I already gave you the story of why it has such an importance for me. But I can tell you just in the side effects of walking, I personally have become significantly leaner since walking every day. Now, I will say, of course, everyone's body is different. And I'm saying that as someone who walks a lot. <clears throat> and this is how it's impacted me. But it's also really a priority. And one of the most important parts of my day. I can tell you I only skip my big walk if I'm too sick to get out of bed. If I'm feeling lazy, I go for the walk. If I'm tired, I go for the walk. If it's raining, I either gear the fuck up or I hit the treadmill. So my point is it's, it's, I can tell you I'm leaner, but I can also tell you it's prioritized and it's taken seriously. We've turned basic movement into such a like, you know, it's become an extracurricular activity. It's not a priority. And it's, of course, easier said than done, but I personally think this needs to shift. This is a huge thing we get wrong in America about wellness. The daily movement really, like, it should not be like, oh, if I have time. You need to make the fucking time. This needs to be a huge part of your life or you're just going to keep growing and being unhealthy. And who wants to be old and unhealthy? Like, that's just, it's bad. So make the time. Somehow other cultures seem to do it. Try to incorporate that low intensity movement, even if it's just a walk around the block every two hours. Another thing I've taken away from trips abroad, I find I drink alcohol more often, but a lower quantity. So I'm never actually hungover, which is kind of amazing. It's more what I call the European way. So it's more balanced and less extreme. Like for example, I'll have alcohol laying by the pool. 
maybe some with lunch. So maybe I have like one or two by the pool, one or two with lunch, and then maybe one or two at dinner. So this is over the entire day with obviously a shit ton of water. Um, whereas at home, I would never ever drink during the day, not even one at lunch. I would never even consider it. But then come Friday night, it's like, okay, here we go. Let's have six drinks. You know, like there's no balance. And then your body's totally out of whack. It doesn't feel good. You're hungover. But what's amazing to me is say I do have one or two by the pool. Then, you know, and with that, of course, drinking water, swimming, whatever. Then I have lunch. Maybe I skip it at lunch. Then maybe at dinner, I have one or two. It's like, so I've had, let's say I've had between three and five the entire day over, you know, eight hours, got my water in. You feel good. It's a light buzz. I'm hydrated. You don't feel drunk. Never are you feeling out of control. It's never like the extreme feeling that I see a lot of people, at least in New York, have when it's like you don't drink all week and then come Friday, Saturday, you go nuts. And I do talk about that a lot in my alcohol episodes. There's two episodes on that. Go back and listen if you're curious. But it's just, it's important to note because I find another thing that's just another thing on vacation that I do in a way I prefer it. And if there's no reason why I can't bring that to my day-to-day life. And, and obviously I'm not saying I should be drinking one to two every day during the day and with lunch. No, but the point is like a little bit more balance, a little less extreme. Maybe I do have a glass of wine at lunch. I don't know if I'm out with a friend and it's a lighter work day and that's what we decide to do. It's just here. That seems like, Oh my God, you're drinking in the middle of the day. It's like, the stigma and it's crazy. But meanwhile, we're the ones who are insane when it comes to alcohol, not the Europeans who have a beer or a glass of wine with lunch. So just something to think about and just give me a quick summary. What I've noticed on vacations, we tend to be less stressed. We get better quality sleep. We experience more low intensity movement during the day and we have less reasons to stress, eat, boredom, eat, or like emotionally eat. So my action items for you, I hate that I just used that term. Um, (laughs) My recommendations for you are in order to incorporate some of the positives from vacation life into your day-to-day life. I find with stress, this is all about boundaries, lots of specifics unique to each person. But so, you know, you've got to evaluate that yourself, but I'm just going to give general advice. Where can you set up better boundaries for yourself in your daily life that are going to help reduce stress? Who causes you stress? Which activities cause you stress? Which engagements or obligations cause you stress? How can you set a better or more boundary or boundaries with those obligations in a way that's going to help you stress a little less? Reducing stress is also going to help with sleep usually and improving sleep also helps with stress. So that's one of those like vicious cycles. Um, It's bi-directional. The sleep impacts the stress, the stress, stress impacts the sleep. So getting both of those down is going to help everything. I'm going to propose you to look at where can you add in daily movement to your life. I've said this a million times, but even if it's just three 10 minute walks, if it's a bike ride, if it's a hike, if you're bowling, like it doesn't need to be again, a, a workout class. It's more, how can you move a little bit more in the day? How can you get up, be a little less sedentary? Um, and my last point, which ties back into the movement though, is Replace stress eating or the boredom eating or like when you, this goes back to like people taking a break, let's get away from our desk, let's go grab a snack. Probably not actually hungry. How can you replace the stress eating or boredom eating? Use this movement. How can you use that time to go for a walk instead or the bike ride 
walk around the block. Find something that you like to do that's a low intensity form of movement or that's something that gets you out of the office and go do that instead of going to Starbucks or going for that snack that you really don't need. Obviously, if you're hungry, eat the goddamn snack. But this isn't like, I'm not saying don't eat. My point is we consume more calories in our day-to-day life when we're close to the kitchen, close to the pantry, and we see it as a break from work and instead find a more productive break from work. And don't make me say it, I'll say it, but even if it means chugging some water, that's productive, that's good for you, that is self-care and there's no calories in water. So have calories when you need calories, but when you don't need them, skip it. And that's all folks. I'm gonna say just move more, stay regular and have an amazing week. Thank you.